Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the morning of Thursday, December 15th here. Mike Rutherford's in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Snard is driving somewhere in Virginia, it sounds like. Um, Dan, we've been trying to do this podcast for a while. Have had some scheduling stuff happen. A lot has, has gone down since the last time we talked. We've got uh, Jeff Brom is the new Louisville head football coach. We've also got a Louisville basketball team that has won. Let, let's just say that, say that right off the bat. We were trying to record early in the week. If we had recorded a podcast yesterday or really any day before, the tone would have been very different than I think what it's going to be today uh, as the Cards get a victory last night on the hardwood. We've got volleyball playing in the Final Four tonight. We've got the women's basketball team just knocking off Kentucky and Bellarmine in back-to-back games. We've got a huge Saturday ahead with the Fenway Bowl. Uh, It's all happening right now, Dan. There's a, a lot to get to here. Tis the season. Tis the season. Um, <laughs> yes, very. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it feels like forever since we've done this, and obviously a lot has happened. Um, but you're exactly right. Uh, we'll start, I mean, with basketball just because we're fresh off of it. But, I, I mean, I had, like, such a uh, – I don't know. I was going to, like, bring down rain and fury on this program. Like, if you would have done this podcast yesterday, I was – in such a low place, and my God, what a turnaround last night! It, it, it was fun. Like it, it, for the first time in a while, like it was really fun. It was fun to see the the fans' reaction, not only at the game but on Twitter. Um, and obviously, we're 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 very happy for Kenny and the staff um, to get that first one under their belt. I'm sure they didn't envision it uh, coming like this, but yeah, thank God for Rick Stansberry. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get into this and, and, and kind of talk about what's transpired here. Yeah, do you want to start with basketball? I mean, since we're, we, like you said, we're fresh off of it. We can start there and we can go into the Jeff Brom stuff yeah. uh, in, in the second half. But, I mean, you mentioned, you know, fear, we had people like clamoring for us to do a podcast basically just so we could like shit on Kenny Payne and, and, and you know, air our grievances and all this stuff. And I feel like I've done the same Besides last week, because last week got crazy with Satterfield leaving and, and Brom coming. But when we have talked about basketball on the radio show, I feel like I've done the same show and said the same things like for four straight weeks. And yesterday was the same thing. Like I, This team had given us so little to be positive about, and Kenny Payne had given us so little to be positive about. When people would get mad and say, and most people who text into the show or who, who send me emails or send me tweets are kind of on the same page, like, this is this is terrible, this is bad, there's no excuse for it. But there would be some people who would be like, you've got to be positive. And I just kept saying, they've got to give us something to be positive about. Like, like this team, they don't look like they're trying, they're not getting any better, they're getting their asses handed to them every single game. Six straight losses by 19 points or more. I'd love to see a turnaround, I just, I can't believe it until I see it. And last night, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, one of the most unexpected performances in the history of Louisville basketball since I've been a fan. Like, there was nothing from Saturday's game against a bad, bad, bad Florida State team that indicated that we would give this type of effort against Western Kentucky on, on, on Wednesday night. And Western, I know they were 8-1. and one. It's not a great Western team. They've got good talent, not great talent. They, you know, they weren't going to make the NCAA tournament without winning the Conference USA tournament or anything like that. They're not an at-large caliber team. But they're 8-1. and one. They've beaten the types of teams that Louisville has lost to. And the cards come out, and after just the most woeful offense that any of us have ever seen through nine games, they shoot 
54% from three. They go 13 of 25. They shoot 52 above 52% from the field. They go 19 of 20 from the free throw line. This is a team that was averaging 57 points per game going into last night. They scored 94. It just was, and for the first time this season, they have more assists than turnovers. It was just an astounding performance. L. Ellis becomes the first player in college basketball this season to have a game with at least 30 points and at least 10 assists. Uh, he hit those numbers exactly. It was, I, th- I think, above everything else. And I, I know I said this last night on Twitter. They just played hard for 40 minutes. Like mm-hmm. they, they acted like they cared for the first time this season for a full game. I don't know exactly what transpired between Saturday, where, where they looked like the Walking Dead, and Wednesday night, where they looked like this. This, you know, this meant something to them. But let's harness that energy. Let, let, let's keep doing whatever we were doing in the in the, the the past four days, and see if maybe we can get something here. I, I I feel like you have to preface any comments by saying, like, I realize that this win doesn't change anything in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't suddenly make the start to the season okay. It doesn't suddenly make us that much more optimistic about the rest of the year of you know us trying to, to win like six, seven ACC games or something like that. But I don't care right now. I, I, I care big picture, of course. But in this moment, after seeing everything that's happened to everybody who cares about this program deeply, the players, the coaches, the fans, everybody, it's fine to feel good about this for like a couple of days. And that's kind of where I am. And I'm with you too, because it's funny, last night, you, we were texting in our, our like friends U of L group, and I was texting with Jeff Greer, and I had told Greer the exact same thing that you said in our friends group when we got down to the final minutes, which was because Greer's like, uh, they may blow this, is it's going to happen? And I'm like, if it was anybody besides Rick Stansberry coaching on the other side, I'd be way more nervous. And you said the exact same thing uh, in our in our friends group. Thank God for Rick Stansberry. Thank God for no defensive adjustments. Thank God for just having no game plan whatsoever. I know it was it was more about us than it was about them, but I, I felt good that we handed that guy a loss last night. The Stansberry of the West. Um, <laughs> I was sorry, saved by the bell reference there. Um, but no, it, what's what I what really stood out to me about the game, and I mean, I hope we get to a point later on the season where we can talk about the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes or whatnot, but. I think every Louisville fan was in the same position when they threw that oop uh, to Sharp to put him up like thirteen seven or fifteen seven. That's usually about the time in the game that's happened the first nine or ten games of the season where it's like, oh boy, here we go again. Like, uh, yeah, you know, ready to throw in the towel. You know, here come the long faces. You know, time time to pout. But they did the exact opposite. They battled back, and I think. For the first time, them just getting back from that point um, kind of gave a renewed energy, not only to the players on the team, but like you saw from the you know the bench and the coaches as well. So um, it was just great to see, man. I like, I, I, like you said, I don't think this really changes the outcome of the season. I, you know, I think we shot the ball, um, you know, <laughs> exceptionally, exceptionally well, and I don't think. We can expect that on a uh, you know a game to game basis, uh, but hey, we we do need to thank Rick Stansberry for staying in that zone for whatever reason and one of the worst zones I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I, we need to give. I mean, as far as players go, um, L. Ellis. I mean, Jesus, this kid has shouldered a ton. 
you know, there's been a lot of criticism sent his way. And some of it obviously has been warranted. Um, but he's just asked to do so much. And for him to come out with the game that he did last night and for him to play the way he did, it was awesome. I mean, that one play, uh, I know we didn't get the ball back where, like, he just completely gave up his body and dove out of bounds and saved it. It's like, my man, Sid, we got to go after the ball a little bit harder. <laughs> I know, um, I know. <laughs> but uh, I was like, God damn, this guy wants to win. And, like, I promise you, like, these first ten games – have the fans been like loud and critical? Of course. I mean, we were, you know, oh and nine, oh and ten. I forget whatever the record was, but you know, it was like it really wasn't the wins and losses. I mean, this this fan base has watched enough basketball to where, geez, I mean, we can know if if guys are laying it all on the line, and like that's all we want. Like, I I didn't see any you know poo pooing or negativity on the win. Like, I didn't see any like oh, well, that's just one win, like, they got lucky. No, I mean, this is all the fan base wanted is a guys to go out there and give, you know, balls of the wall 110% for 40 minutes. And if we can get that effort for – I mean, I know it's probably not going to happen every single game, but if you give that effort, you know, gosh, 85 to 90% of the time, I'm not saying we're going to, you know, win half our games left, but we'll be able to sneak some wins in there that maybe we shouldn't have. So – a, a nice building block. I'm happy for Kenny. I'm happy for the staff. And, um, yeah, it was it was fun fun to watch the game last night. Yeah, the biggest issue with the first month and a week of the season, and, I mean, th- there's a million issues. Obviously, a program of this stature, it's never going to be okay when you lose three games to three mid to low major teams and then get blown out by six straight opponents after that. Like, that's – Again, we're, we're dealing with a situation that none of us have ever dealt with before. We've never seen anything this bad. But the most frustrating thing about it, I think, to the fan base is exactly what you said. The effort level, it started off in the, the first exhibition game against Lenore Ryan, where it just seemed like they didn't really give a shit, and it never got any better. And the the like the overall like fight, the overall on court stuff, the it, it, it we weren't seeing any signs of progress. Like it started off in the lowest possible place and never really improved through the first you know nine games and two exhibitions. And last night, I thought the moment for me was because they came out last night and they played hard. The, the bench was into it. Guys were diving for loose balls. They were battling on defense. They were they were doing some good things offensively. And you were like, okay, like this this is good so far, but we've seen this before in a couple of opening segments. And adversity hit. Western started getting some breaks. Western started knocking down some shots. And I think it was we, we tried to zone out for the first time and Frampton promptly drills a three. And we right. go down eighteen to we we go down eighteen to ten. And you mentioned the sharp dunk moment. That too that, that was another one where it was like, Okay, let's see what happens. In that moment, all year long. We have seen this team wilt. We have seen this team let a group of flurries become an avalanche. Like, like they, they just let one little bump in the road completely unravel them. And last night, I, was, I, I even put the tweet out. I was like, this is the moment. We've seen this before. Like, they have not fought through this at all this season. Can we show some progress? Can we fight through this? And they fought. Like, like right away, we get a couple of turno- turnovers that we turn into points. I think Fabio Basili deserves a lot of credit for, for being a part of that big run, providing a spark there. I mean, we mentioned L. Ellis's big game, the 30 points and the, the 10 assists, and he still played on the ball for most of that. He was the point guard basically the entire second half. But he really got going when we brought Fabio into the game, and I think yeah. took a little bit of the, of the pressure off of him. Because, uh, look, he played great last night at the point. 
he's he's still not a natural point guard. He just isn't. I, I know he wants to be. I know that's you know he he maintains that he is, but his game is better suited for playing off the ball. And when Fabio came in, it was like he just he was able to stop thinking a little bit. And he's a kid who even admits it. Like he gets in his own head a little bit. He's hard on himself. And when Fabio came in it let him just kind of relax and just play and you know see some shots go through the basket, get out in transition, make some plays there, get a, a better feel for the game. And from that point forward, he was sensational. Like like he was it was easily the best game that any Cardinals played this season and one of the best games that any Cardinals played in a long time. I'd like to see more. I, I know that everybody's been clamoring for this of, of Fabio coming in and playing the point. He he has massive deficiencies. Uh, he he can't go left. He's not a great defender. He's not a great shooter. But he still is crafty. He makes plays in transition, and he's a good enough ball handler to let L play off the ball for long stretches of time. I'd like to see that lineup in there a little bit more. It's it's a product of where we are. Like, like the talent level is not where Louisville basketball should be. We're nobody's arguing that. But you have to work with what you have. And playing L Ellis. 40 minutes a night where he's playing point for all 40 of those is just not sustainable. You've got to get him a little bit of a break. You've got to get him off the ball and on the bench at some points. And Fabio, I think, is serviceable enough to, to give you the opportunity to do that. But last night, I mean, again, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't excuse some of the things that have happened the month before. We don't need to dwell on those. We would have if we had talked about this yesterday. But it was a nice moment. And you do kind of hope you look ahead now. We've got the Florida A&M game on Saturday, a game where they should win. Florida A&M is the worst team on the schedule. They should be able to come out, take care of business, uh, and win that game. Lipscomb's a team that, you know, they, I, I hate to say it, like they should probably beat. Lipscomb is, is is kind of cut from that same cloth as the first three opponents they've played. A good but not great mid-major, low-major team. And if you do that, then all of a sudden, hey, you've got three straight wins. And you take your shot once ACC play starts. I don't need to mention Kentucky uh, on New Year's Eve, but... You know, it's just, I'd like to see them get something good going, get some good vibes going, and then us to have a, a better assessment of Kenny Payne once we get into to conference play. 100%. And if you put your body on the line and, and give effort like that every single game, I promise you, regardless of wins or losses, there, there's going to be more people in the Yum Center. Like, the atmosphere yeah. last night... Even though, like, you know, kind of, like, I saw this on Twitter, and I apologize whoever posted, but it was a very accurate description. Very, very football game-like this year. Like, it, it seemed like all the fans down in the lower bowl were super into the game. They were very loud, and it was awesome to see. But, um, I mean, God, it, it sucks because as a fan, it, it, you know, like me and you and a lot of these people that, have we been negative like the first month, month and a half? Like, of course we've been negative. It's been an, an all out, you know, I'm not, I can't sugarcoat it. It's been a disaster. Um, but I do think the best thing for this program would, would be for it to succeed under Kenny Payne, one of your own. So I uh -huh. think everyone is rooting for that. And, you know, um, it, it, it was nice to see him just get the monkey off his back. I, I'm sure, you know, I, I can't imagine what was going through his mind um, as the clock was ticking down. But I will say this. Um, yeah, if you can just, like you said, we got the two winnable games coming up. Heck, three wins in a row, like – it does a lot for these kids confidence. Like I can't imagine how low their confidence was going, you know, into these last couple games. 
And once you start having fun again, like the the game just for whatever reason just seems to come a little bit easier. So is it going to be, you know, smiles and flowers from here on out? Probably not. But, God, it seemed like everyone last night contributed in some way. Like, you know, J.J. Trainer, I thought that was his best game of the year. Um, you know, Mike James had had some great moments. But I, I do – yeah, Kamari, he shot the ball really well. I, I do say – uh, Sid was in double figures last night. If God, he's the one guy, and, and I still don't think he's even close to where he needs to be. Um, you know, but if he's the one guy that's like, dude, just concentrate on you know putbacks or rebounding, just just fully concentrate on that and give us you know ten and six, twelve twelve and seven. I, I think that would take this team to. I'm not saying like you know the next level, but I, I think it would bump him up a, a notch because he has the type of body that can at least compete in this type of league. Let's, uh, I mean, let's celebrate the fact that we're not Cal. Uh, there's been a big debate yeah. who's worse, Louisville or Cal. They're the, the final winless team in college basketball. We avoided that. We also, the 1940-41 team, uh, their champagne can come off ice. They're still safe. Uh, cards are not going to lose 11 straight to open a season like they did. So it's not the worst start. In the history of Louisville basketball, we've got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, as far as, as Kenny Payne is concerned, one of the big frustrations that I think UofL fans have had, it, it's certainly been one of my frustrations, is the tone after all of these you know, history-making losses. Every, every game we've had up until this one seems like we're making a new piece of negative history. Like The tone in his, in his voice and his messaging has kind of been the same, where he's just kind of said the same things every game. Like you know, we you know we got we got to get better. We got to fight. We got to get in better shape. We got to get tougher. We got to you know just do all these things. And you're like, okay, give us some specifics. And I think you know the Rick Pitino video after the Iona game that went kind of viral around here locally, where he's really breaking down the game and telling you what they did well, and what they didn't well, what what their game plan was, uh, and just kind of talking basketball. Really, kind of just I think got Louisville fans saying this is what we miss. We we want more messaging. We want more fight. We want more. This is Louisville for Christ's sake. And last night after the game, Kenny Payne got asked about what was the difference here? Like, like, what happened between Saturday night where you guys looked like zombies and tonight where you guys played with fire and played easily your best game of the season? And I loved his answer. This, this is what he said. He said, we talked about leading up to this game. Whatever your insecurities are, whatever your excuses are, it's over. Let's go win games. There are no excuses. Whatever happened in the past, even if it was in high school, even if it was when you were 10 years old, even if it was last year, that's over Let's get over it. Let's start new. Let's go prove to people that you belong. Let's stop having teams come in here and walk out of here with confidence. Let's understand where you are. We're at Louisville. This is a place that traditionally has been one of the most fierce places to play. One of the most fierce teams to ever face consistently over the years. Respect that. Go out and know that you're fighting for more than just yourself. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. Like that's we've wanted to hear something like that for a long time now. Like this is, I, I feel like I've been screaming into a void every time we have these conversations about whether or not this is acceptable and these these crazy records that we're breaking. I just kind of every now and then you have to pinch yourself and stop for a moment and say this is it's fucking Louisville. Like like right. this is we are a, a program that has lost twenty games one time in the one hundred and ten year history of the program. Like we're not used to dealing with this, and it's it you know, what has been going on. The way that we've played, certainly the results, none of it has been acceptable. Like, let's step up and have some pride. And like you've said, nobody's asking for this team to to reel off 
25 straight wins and make the NCAA tournament. Nobody was even asking for them to be NCAA tournament good going into this year. We just wanted to see fight. We wanted to see this team play their asses off after watching them kind of look like zombies last season. And it hasn't happened. And that's been the most disappointing thing of all. And to see it happen last night was so refreshing and so nice. And I think it's why... Like, the reaction for any win was going to be a positive one for the fan base. But the way it looked, the way in which it transpired, seeing that fight, seeing that effort, seeing that pride in being a Louisville basketball player for 40 full minutes was just, like, that's what we've been waiting for. Even in losses, that's what we've been waiting for. And here's hoping they can they, they can yeah. bottle that energy and keep it going the rest of the year. So I left the TV on after the game. And, like, I never watched sports here anymore. But I was just in my hotel and had, you know, the TV on kind of as background noise. And they had Kenny on there and his press conference. And they played that clip. And even the sports center and anchor, anchors who I guarantee, like, don't watch a second of Louisville basketball, they're like, how about that answer? Wow, that was powerful. I was like, God, Kenny, that's that, that's what we want, man. Like, this is this is why we hired you. So, um, yeah, that was awesome to see. But here's the deal, okay? Like, this was great, but but now we know that you guys have this in you. So you set right. the bar. So going forward, you know, this is what the the you know the style, the effort. This is what we're going to be expecting. We're not going to be expecting wins, like you said. Um, but, but we're going to be expecting 40 minutes of fucking hell. So, um, I, I'm, I'm just happy. Like I, I'll, I'll be honest. I was dreading watching the game last night. I was dreading that it was on national television. Um, Same. and you know, moving forward, I'm, I, you know, I know we got Florida A&M Saturday. Uh, they're like, fucked. I, they're, they're, they're so are, fucked. They it's, are, it's over. It's over. I'm sorry, Rattlers. It's done. They are so fucked, but. Um, yeah, let's go give the same effort we gave that day, get a win there, um, and, and just, you know, start a little streak here, and who knows, maybe maybe uh, we're in for more in the ACC play than, than we bargained for. Having said all that, let me say this. Kenny, we're going to need you to beat Florida A&M. Like, like... <laughs> I, 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 I thought about saying it, but I was like, nope, just enjoy this. We're not going to go there. We You can't, like, I... We feel good right now. Where everybody's feeling good. This is a positive vibe for the first time all season. The first time in a long time. You can't lose to Florida A and M now. Let's 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 make sure we take care of business. Play hard on Saturday. You should win the game if you do that. Just Here, just let, beat beat the Rattlers. Let me. This is all right. So when we were zero and nine, like this sounds dumb, but I think when you are like winless, and probably even more so for a program like Louisville versus Florida A and M. Like, you're going to get the team's very best shot because they don't want to be the team that surrenders, like, the first loss of the season to, you know, the the 0-9 team. So as dumb as that sounds, I think when we were playing teams, like, we were getting their best shot because they're like, fuck, we don't want to be, you know, the embarrassment, the loss of this team. So we we need to have that mindset going to Florida and like, yo, we're not fucking doing this. Let's get on them early. Let's put them away early. Um, and, and play just like we did this game. So, uh, yeah, big day Saturday. Fenway Bowl, 4 A&M. Um, hey, we're back, baby. Potentially also volleyball national title on yeah, Saturday night. We, yeah. we should mention that. Uh, we can talk about that really quickly before we get into Jeff Brown. But uh, the volleyball team, we're, again, we're recording this Thursday morning. They play Pitt tonight. It, it'll be another late night because the, they're the second match in Omaha. Texas and San Diego will play at 7 
and then 30 minutes after the end of that game, we'll get Louisville versus Pitt. The two teams, have, they, they've played twice already this year. Pitt won on their home floor. Louisville won on its home floor. They shared the ACC title. It's, uh, both of them only lost the, the one match in conference play. It's become a nice little rivalry over the years. And, I mean, you know this, Dan. We, we went to the match on Saturday. We took Virginia. It was one of the most fun like experiences that I've had at a L sporting event in a long, long time. Um, cards face a, a match point in the fourth against Oregon. They hold it off. They come back. They dominate the fifth set. Um, just the, the energy. I mean, the, the crowd there, even last night for the Western game, the crowd of the volleyball game had to have been bigger. I don't know what the announced attendance for the men's basketball game last night was, but I guarantee there were more people there for the volleyball game, which was just shy of 9,000. And people were, were enthusiastic. It's become a nice little... That's yeah. a holiday tradition to, to be able to support the volleyball team in the, the NCAA tournament. Even if you're not the biggest volleyball fan in the world, it's not difficult to pick up. The, the sport moves fast. It's fun to watch. And Danny Busboom Kelly maybe has it going right now as the most successful UofL coach uh, at this moment. It, it is nice, like, over my UofL fandom years. I mean, you know, when, when you think of college sports, you know, fair or not fair – uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, the big money usually goes into to men's football and, and men's basketball. But over the years, it, it's been such a, you know, nice thing to have other sports step up on like a yearly, like you said, almost like a tradition basis, whether it be women's basketball, whether it be men's baseball, now women's volleyball. And it, it just it kind of adds to the allure of the Louisville athletic program. So I'm very excited for the weekend. I'm definitely going to watch, going to try to watch with, you know, my, my daughter and uh, yeah, it should be fun. And hopefully this time we can bring it home. I like that you said both men's football and men's baseball, Danny Sennard, very committed to not getting canceled on this podcast. Definitely wants to be an equal opportunity. Just covering all of his bases right there. Uh, if we if we have women's football out there, we definitely will support it. When women's baseball comes along, we're going to support you as well. I'm a, powder, I'm a powder puff fan. I'm a powder puff fan. <laughs> uh, but hey, the other thing to mention when it comes to speaking of, um, if this is a wild stat. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it last year. If Louisville wins two more matches and wins the national title, Danny Busboom Kelly is going to be the first woman to be a head coach of a national champion in women's volleyball, which just seems wrong and seems absurd. But she could make history this weekend. I think the the San Diego coach is a woman also, so they have a chance over there. Uh, San Diego is, I believe, the team that knocked out Kentucky in the Sweet 16. So suck it, cats. But it just, I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time. It's been a, a radio question since I've been doing radio. For all the success that we've had across the board in UofL sports, like since the start of the Tom Jurich era, we still only have one sport where we've won a team national championship, and it's men's basketball. So the questions always come up, like, who's going to be the next team to win a national title? We had men's soccer make it to a national title game. You know, the baseball team has been to all these College World Series. Um, you know, women's basketball has played in two national titles, been to, you know, more Final Fours, you know, was it going to be them? Is it going to be somewhere else? Softball had an undefeated season a while back. They were the last undefeated team. And now it looks like volleyball has a chance to do that this weekend because they can beat – they've already beaten Pitt. When they lost to them, they didn't have Anna DeBeer. She was hurt. San Diego's a two-seed. Texas is a always a perennial powerhouse, but Louisville went into their building a couple of years ago and knocked them off in the Sweet 16. And now they have the experience of being on the stage last year. I'm excited. I mean, I'm very excited about tonight. I can't wait to watch that uh, victory and then hopefully watching uh, another match let, on Saturday night. Let me night. ask you this. How, how into the games does Mary get? I have a feeling she's all in. 
Oh, she's super into it. She yeah. played volleyball was the sport that she played in high school, so she she already had like a love for it. She her parents always tell the story. They played, I think, Nelson County in the the region tournament her senior year, and like Nelson County was way better than they were. And Mary, like Mary, still like underhand served. She couldn't do like the like the normal like overhand serve. And she had these like little floaters, and she served like eight straight points in a row to win the match. And like it was just like Mary's like they like had no idea how to handle my floater. So she was a, she's a big volleyball fan. She gets very into the matches. Virginia was into it when she went. Uh, on Saturday night, so yeah, the, the Rutherfords are all in. We're we're a big volleyball family now. That's awesome. Uh, we're, I got all about it. I, I gotta get Kim on it. She's obviously she's riding high with Michigan football right now. So uh, we got our focus kind of shifted there, um, in, in our household. But um, yeah, I, I think she'll be interested in the match this weekend. Get the kids on board tonight. It's, yeah. the, it's the perfect time. Gather right. It's a holiday tradition. It's a nice little holiday special tonight. Uh, late night with the Sonards in Columbus watching watching volleyball. All right, let's talk about the big news still, I think, in the world of Cardinal athletics outside of the men's basketball team winning a game. we The, the last time we recorded a podcast, it was reacting to the Scott Satterfield news. Um, I said on that podcast I'd be very, very, very surprised if Jeff Brom wasn't named the new head coach. Things did move quickly. Uh, Brom, it was a done deal by Wednesday. I think everybody kind of heard that it was going to happen. And then Thursday, we get the official word, and Brom winds up being introduced as the new football coach at the University of Louisville. Long time coming. It's finally happening. And Jeff has he's hit the ground running. You know, he flips two commits on the defensive side of the ball from Purdue. He gets Ben Perry and KJ Cloyd to pull their names out of the transfer portal. He gets a couple of big-time names to, to say that they're sticking around for next year as well. He goes out to California last weekend, watches the St. John Bosco team play in, the, in their state championship game. He gets Pierce Clarkson to reaffirm his commitment, Luke Burgess to reaffirm his commitment. He's really only lost two commits from that, that highly touted class of 2023, one Jaden Johnson, and then, of course, Ruben Owens, the big one, the number one running back in America, who's now going to go to Texas A&M. But I think that was going to happen regardless. But the vibes are right. Everybody's excited about this, and I haven't seen this much energy from the fan base for football in a long, long time. People are pumped about Jeff Brom being back here. I know you're pumped about Jeff Brom being back here. Oh, I mean, 100%. I'm, I'm sure the last week, week and a half, you know, all the hot takes have, have been taken. But I, I think not every Louisville fan, but at least me and I'm sure some Louisville fans – had this kind of dream, you know, when, when Jeff was an assistant coach at Louisville, like in the Petrino years that like, man, how awesome would that be if, if one day he was able to lead the program and for him to kind of go on the coaching journey that he went on um, and to have the success that he had, not only at Western, but a program like Purdue where, where it's hard to win and for, for him to get them to, geez, a big 10 championship where, I mean, God, they to be honest, I know the score looked bad in that Michigan game, but they put up a hell of a fight um, and gave Michigan's defense more issues than a lot of teams have this year. So uh, I'm super pumped. You know, obviously, you know, me and you from a personal standpoint, I, I think we're we're very excited to have, uh, you know, the Brahms back in town. If we ever see Brian, we can make fun of him to his face. Yeah, fuck Brian. <laughs> Brian, Brian, we don't we, we don't need you back. Just stay at Purdue, Brian. We but, love you. We yeah, love you. I know, but in all seriousness, it's it's awesome. We're uh, we're very excited, and um, yeah, I mean, geez, it, we I mean, first thing we did, we got on the text chain. We're like, 
all right, like, are we going to get to Atlanta for game one this year? And, like, I don't remember the last time we did that. Where we were like, hey, you know, let's plan a trip around Louisville football. It's been a while. So the excitement's already there. I'm super excited to see how the roster is going to shake out. The assistants, it seems like, you know, we got a couple more to add, but we, we kind of know for the most part, um, you know, a lot of the guys are going to be on staff. So a uh, lot to look forward to in the next couple weeks here. I think what Jeff does, because – you know, I've talked to people at U of L. I've talked to some other people. Like, like season tickets, they they received an influx of requests after Jeff got announced as the head coach. A lot of people renewed their season tickets after Jeff got announced as the head coach. I had a good conversation a couple of nights ago with Mark Spiegel, who's running the the five hundred two circle, the U of L collective. He talked about the peak and in interest that they've had with people for them since Jeff got announced as the head coach. It like. like Louisville football fandom, I'm not telling anybody who's listening to this anything that they don't know, but like, we're not a, a generational fandom program. We, you know, we, we have a limited history of success. Cardinal football has not been, was not making any national waves, at least positively, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's a program that basically has existed uh, as a successful FBS program since Howard Schnellenberger, and even then, that success has not been consistent. So, the fan base is a little bit fickle. It, it, you know, it's going to be there when times are really good, and it's going to be kind of casual in times where it's bad or average. And we've seen that under Scott Satterfield. You know, the team was not bad this year. The, the team mm-hmm. went five and one at home. They beat um, two ranked opponents at home, and the attendance for those games was not great. It was right around forty thousand, at least what it was listed as. And if you're talking about getting the home attendance for good games from 40,000 to like 60,000 close to a sellout. I think you've got to get that fan who's kind of out there on the periphery, the, the fan who's not listening to this podcast, the fan who, you know, is considers themselves a UFL fan, but isn't following the ins and the outs of the teams, you know, the off season news, the, the transfers, the recruiting, like they just kind of, they, they want to know about the game. Who are we playing this weekend? Are they good? Should we go? Like you've got to get that fan back in the mix and excited about football. And that fan knows who Jeff Brom is, they like Jeff Brom, and they're excited that Jeff Brom is the head coach. And that fan, I think, is the one that you're pulling back into the mix. And I think it's it represents about a third of this fan base. It's why I keep saying, like, bringing that fan back into the fold is what takes those crowds from 40,000 people to 55, 60,000 people. Because Jeff, like, I think not only does he represent potential success and potential like getting back to the times that we all remember as the best times, but he just, he brings in that nostalgia because the Brahms, they're not just synonymous with Louisville football. They're synonymous with Louisville football success. If you think about the best times in your life as a U of L football fan, a lot of them, most of them have had a Brahm involved somewhere in there, whether it was Jeff being the, you know, the quarterback during the Stellenberger days, Jeff being an assistant when Petrino was here, Brian being the quarterback in the, in the Petrino days. Like, like we've just, They've been right there, and so I think when you bring Jeff and, and, and his brothers back into the mix, it instantly reminds people, it makes them feel like it's 2006 again, or makes them feel like it's 1993 again, and that's a good thing for a fan base that has just kind of been a little bit lost since Lamar Jackson left, and, and so I think enthusiasm is high. I know that when we get Jeff doing all these, and that's something you don't have to worry about. Like He, he killed it with the, the, the introductory presser, but most coaches do that. The big difference between him and Scott Satterfield is 
He'll remain visible throughout the summer. He'll go on radio shows. He'll do public events. He'll say things that will get people really excited. He's certainly going to bring, I think, local recruiting back. He's already done that to an extent. And it's just like it's going to be a lot of fun again because the Brahms are a lot of fun. And I, I, I could not be more excited about where Cardinal football is headed. I, I, I think the best way to put it, in uh, the main difference the fans are going to respond to Brom versus Satterfield is Brom is familiar with the fan base and what they want to see and what they want to hear. And he sure. knows how visible that he needs to be where, you know, maybe to no fault of his own, but there, yeah, I think there's some blame to go around. You know, Scott Satterfield had no idea how to do that. He didn't know, like you said, kind of how to be visible he didn't know to say the right things or show the right emotions that the fans wanted to see. And, yes, I mean, Brom absolutely, to me, he killed his presser. Um, but with that being said, hey, you know, I could be 110% sure this stuff works out, but that's not always the case. I mean, you look at – I mean, I think the most recent thing people point to is the, the Scott Frost hire at Nebraska. I mean, that seemed like an absolute shoe in played there you know, one of their own, and, you know, it just it fell flat on its face. So, yes, football still needs to be played. Um, and here, here's one thing I'll say. Jeff having the experience of not only coaching at Louisville but then being a head coach at Western, which, you know, yes, you can – I know he likes to t- throw the ball around. Uh, he, he's loose to this play calling, which I love. At Purdue – you know, when you play in the Big Ten, it, it's different. I mean, it's a lot different than coaching at Louisville. It's a lot different than coaching at Western Kentucky. I mean, you got to be able to run the football. you got to be able to stop the run. You know, when you think Big Ten football, you think, you know, grind off tackle up front, you know, uh, kind of four or five-yard runs. So, I mean, I think that's going to be nice for us is – he knows that, yes, we still need to throw the ball around and score points, but I think he knows now, like, hey, we need guys up front on the defensive end and the offensive end if we're going to be successful, you know, in any league. So I'm excited that he's had that experience and he's going to be able to bring that to uh, the ACC. Scott Satterfield trying to, like, ingratiate himself into the, the Louisville culture and relate to Louisville fans. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of – the episode of The Office where Ryan wants to do the pitch when he's out there with Stanley, and, he, and like Stanley's like, "Okay, go ahead," and it's like, it's like the four older black guys, and he's just like, "Hi, hi, 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 hi." Like that was Scott Satterfield trying to blend in as a Louisvillean. It just never worked. Like he, he, he never fit here. He never, I, I think, cared about this place. It never, and I know I'm saying a lot of what I said on the last podcast, but. Like, Louisville's a place that just, it gets in your blood. Like, think about all the transplants that we have in the city who come here thinking that they're just going to be here for a year or two, whether it's sports-related or work-related or what have you, who just wind up staying here forever and love the place. I mean, again, Denny Crum, lifelong West Coast guy. He, he's he's here forever. Um, John L. Smith was a guy who did not, he said he didn't know anything about Louisville when Tom George recruited him to take the job. He's retired now. He's been to other places after Louisville. He lives here, like, and he's going to stay here forever. Like, Scott Satterfield, that never happened with him. He never came here. He never fell in love with it. He never seemed to really like it here. And it's why I think it was such an odd deal for him to go to Cincinnati because while I understand that he wanted out 
and that it was kind of an any port in the storm situation after Josh Hurd didn't give him the, the extension that he wanted. Cincinnati is very similar to Louisville culturally. Like some of the same problems that I think he had with the society in Louisville uh, and kind of relating to it, I think he's going to have up there in Cincinnati. So it's sort of an odd fit. But Jeff will not have any sort of those issues, any of those issues. He clearly gets what this program's all about. The Brahms have built this, helped build this program. They are as synonymous with it as anybody. Like it, it, It's going to be a fun ride here. I think I'm very, very excited about it. And for all the people who are like, if he struggles like Kenny Payne, are you going to criticize? Of course. Like If we start 0-8 next year, yeah, we're going to be mad at Jeff Brom. We're going to be saying this is unacceptable. Like he's At the end of the day, the love fest ends if you're not getting it done on the field, and that's with everybody. But I do think that we're going to have success. I do think we're going to have fun doing it, and I'm very excited for the ride. All right, so – Let's talk about expectations. Now, rosters still need to be worked out. We have no idea who the quarterback's going to be next year, so this is probably an unfair question. Um, yeah. But expectations year one, what are you thinking? Are you, are you thinking in terms of wins and losses? Are you thinking in terms of, you know, exciting style of football? Like, what, you know, I know obviously he can't go like, you know, one and nine or two and ten or whatnot, but – um, you know, what, what's your thought process there? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it at the beginning. Like, it's a lot easier to answer once you know more about the roster. We right. clearly have a, a gap at quarterback right now. You, you bring back Brock Doman. You bring, we assume, we know Caleb Johnson's already said he's coming back. We haven't seen him play a snap anywhere, so we don't know if he's any good. Pierce Clarkson's going to enroll early. Today's his last day of high school. He'll be at UofL in a few weeks. Um, but you you typically don't want to throw a true freshman out there into the fire. There was plenty of smoke. It was almost like a confirmed thing that Austin Reed, the Western Kentucky quarterback, was going to transfer to Louisville. That fell apart this week. Um, depends on who you ask as far as what happened there. The UofL side is certainly saying that it was their call. They pulled off. I don't want to get into specifics there. But you know, Western people are saying – he was going to go because he thought Tyson Helton was going to get the Purdue job. When that didn't happen, that pulled him back. Regardless, Austin Reed's not coming to Louisville. You've got to go out there and find a transfer quarterback. The good news is there's like 95 in the portal, so you should be able to go out there and get a good one, especially with Jeff Brom's reputation. But you've got a lot of holes to fill on defense as well. They're doing a good job so far in getting some uh, people of need. You're losing pretty much all your linebackers from this year besides Ben Perry, who's coming back. You're losing a lot of secondary guys. Like The defense was very good this year. You've lost the coordinator. Now you've got to, to fill a lot of the bodies that are going to be gone. You've got to get some help at wide receiver. I still think like if we're just talking about this in December with no knowledge of what the roster is going to look like, like we need to go to a bowl game in year one. I don't, the schedule isn't who knows how the rest of the ACC is going to look, but non-conference wise, the schedule isn't overly tough. Um, you've got Indiana on the schedule this year. You've got Murray state, uh, you've got Kentucky. Like it's, it's the ACC. We'll see how, how good it is, but I, I don't think it's asking too much to say we should win six games in Jeff Brom's first season. I, I'd like to at least equal what we did in Satterfield's last season and go seven and five, but it's it's tough to answer right now, but for right now, I'll say like bowl game is the low bar that needs to be cleared for me. Yeah, man. I, I mean, even that for me is I, I don't know. It, it, maybe it's unfair. I, I I just think we are losing a lot, but the the transfer portal portal can be used, um, you know, to your advantage, obviously. And I think we need to hit that hard. Um, but there's no doubt that we're losing a lot I, for whatever reason, like. 
just because Jeff seems to be such a quarterback whisperer, that's like the one position I'm like 100% confident no matter who we bring in or if he's confident enough in Clarkson, which I don't think that'll be the case. But, you know, whoever is our starting quarterback, I feel like they're performing well under Jeff. I'm, I'm a little more worried on the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, it seems like we have a lot of holes to fill, especially a couple positions like linebacker. But, um, yeah, I'm anxious, man. I'm anxious to see how this roster gets filled out. I'm anxious for signing day to see which of the guys end up sticking around. I know we've had a couple guys follow Scott to Cincinnati, which is to be expected. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun to really care this much about football, like in the off season. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm just anxious to get this going. All right. Let's talk about, uh, the Fenway bowl on Saturday. Cars are going to play Cincinnati. It's a, it's a 11 AM kickoff. Um, and could not be a weirder game. They have our former head coach and a bunch of our assistants. We've got Jeff Brom back. We like, nobody seems to know who's going to play in these actual <laughs> games. Both teams have like three coaches left over on their staff because, of course, uh, you know Luke Fickle left Cincinnati after the season. Satterfield's not going to be there; he's not coaching. Jeff Brom's not going to be there; he's not coaching. It's you know, and also you toss in the fact that it's a rivalry game. These two teams are, have been big rivals for a long time. They have not played since 2013. The keg of nails is going. There's still no clarity as far as whether or not it's like on the line. Typically, you know, rivalry trophies are only on the line for the regular season meeting. But this is a, a weird deal. I'm I, I'm admitting this now, like 48 hours before the start of the game. I'm going to make the biggest deal in the world out of this game if we win. I'm going to be obnoxious. I'm going to be like, fuck Cincinnati. This is what you're getting with Satterfield. Like, give us that fucking keg. Let's go. And if we lose, I'm going to act like I didn't even watch. Like, who cares? It's the end. Of, if we lose, it's the end of the Satterfield era. If we win, it was the start of the Brom era. Like, that's that's how I'm going into this game, and that's how everybody should go into this game. If you lose, who cares? If you win, it's the biggest deal in the world. We're always better than Cincinnati. I just, I mean, it's a weird, weird game. We don't even know who's going to play. Right. Like, we know Malik Cunningham, Malik Cunningham's not playing. Tyler Hudson's not playing. Uh, Tyon Evans is not playing. Yasir Abdullah is playing. We don't know if Brock Doman's healthy enough to play. We, we have no idea what's going to happen, but I hope we win. And if we lose, I, who cares? Yeah, I mean, I want to win, obviously, for Dion because I love Dion and I'm excited yeah, that he yeah, gets his sure. opportunity. But like, yeah, I mean, geez, from like a gambling standpoint, how do people even bet on these bowl games? I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. Like, I'm like, hey, we're probably, you know, if I had to guess, going to turn around and hand the ball off to Jawar Jordan a whole lot. Like, that's like the one thing. Like, I'm fairly confident, but I couldn't tell you anything else about the game. Since he seemed like they've lost like pretty much every one of their pass catchers, including their tight ends, um, it, you know, both coaching without their original head coach. So this could be like I hope it turns to be like one of the craziest, like wildest, just like what the hell is going on games of all time. Um, it's 11 a.m., which makes it even weirder. Uh, but I mean, hey, I'm excited. I, I, I really, you know, I, I would love to get the keg and nails. I. I'm happy, but I'm, like, kind of pissed that this game is going to determine the keg and nails because I'm like, Jesus, like, neither team is really playing with a full deck of cards here. Are we, are we really putting the keg and nails on the line? But, um, like you said, I'm the same way. If we win, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, keg and nails, here we go. If we lose, I'm going to be like, dude, we didn't play with anyone. I don't really care. So um. Yeah, I, I'm 
I'm kind of mad that we're like making a big deal out of the keg of nails. Like, like we're bringing it up there to Boston. We've used it in our promotions. They've used it in their promotions. It feels like a game where it shouldn't be on the line right. just because like, like we're playing like third and four stringers on both sides who haven't played. We have three coaches, three active coaches remaining for our, from our 2022 staff that are going to be coaching this team and 12 quality control guys that are going to be on the staff. I think Cincinnati's in a similar boat. But if we win, I mean, I'm going to be like, go get that fucking keg. Like, let's let's run it around Fenway. Like, just shove it in their face. And if we lose, I'm going to be like, they don't get, get it away. They, they don't deserve to have it. Don't let them take that keg. Uh, but it's just, it's a, it's a weird deal any way you slice it. I'm excited about the game, but I'm also realistic about what it, it means, which is very, very little in the grand scheme. But Let me ask you this. Is there any chance we see a couple – Brom wrinkles in the game. I know he has nothing to do, and I know he's like, you know, this is Dion's game or whatnot. <laughs> but do you think he's maybe inputted with Dion like a couple plays? You know what play I'm excited for in the Brom era? The old Petrino, everybody like run to the right, right in, sneak back out the back door, throw yeah. back. To the, that was like my favorite play of all time. We never get oh, to yeah. see it anymore. It always worked. Let's throw that in there one time and, and, and sneak a teeter out of that one. I mean that play had a like one hundred percent success rate, and everybody remember like right, right before, right like the first word that you said of that sentence, I was like, I know exactly where he's going, and I think everybody listening did as Gary well. Gary Barnridge like made an NFL career because of that play. Like I swear, he, he did caught, like twenty touchdowns off that play. So people who are close to Jeff were very concerned at the beginning of last week that he was going to want to try to coach in the bowl game. Cause we've seen that happen before where uh, a team has gotten a new coach and he's coached the team in the bowl game. And it's been kind of weird. And they were like, that's just, you know, that's kind of who Jeff is, but it would have been, it would have been bad. First of all, we've got the early signing day that basically the new national signing day is in six days. Like you've got to shore up this recruiting class recruiting right now. I, I hate to say this cause it's no disrespect to the current players, but recruiting is more important for Louisville football right now than this bowl game is. Um, so you, you've got to be on that. Plus the transfer portal opened the day that we lost Scott Satterfield. He's got to be doing that. And it's kind of a no, you know, it's a weird situation. If you lose the game, then people are like, man, did we hire the right guy? Even though you've had nine days to install your system. Like, so I I was glad that he chose not to make that happen, but here's what, I mean, I love that we made Dion branch, the interim head coach. He's one of the nicest human beings you're ever going to meet. This obviously means a lot to him. He's excited about it. Um, I've heard good things about the practices that they've had up there in Boston, but it's definitely a, a bizarre scenario, a bizarre situation. I just hope we win. I mean, you've got – we still have Jawar. We still have Maurice Turner. You've got a lot of the guys who were instrumental in our defensive success who are going to play, and hopefully we can uh, shut down their, their offense, which, like you mentioned, is missing a ton of its its biggest weapons this season. And also just, you know, fuck Cincinnati. I, I want to win the game because of that more than anything else. Do we want to do predictions here? Sure. Why not? All right. I think it's going to be, I mean, low scoring seems to be a very obvious pick here because both teams are, are missing a lot on offense. Both teams have had good defenses. I, I think I, I'm going to say we win. And don't ask me to, to pinpoint why because I've got no idea. Again, I don't even know who's going to play in the game. We've got no idea who's sitting out and who's not sitting out. I'm going to say we win in a weird-ass, ugly game. Uh, give me, like, cards 23, Cincinnati 20. That's what I'm going with. Here's what I, I – I want an empty the kitchen sink game. I want fake punts. I want onside kicks. I want reverse passes. I want flea flickers. Like, I want it all. Uh, sure. With that being said, uh, I agree. I think we're going to win the game. I'm going to say we win um, 
I just completely ignored what you said, but I'm going to say we win 27-20. 27-20, that's my final. I love it. I mean, we've had, look, I don't, we're, I'm not jinxing it. People got mad at me for tweeting out the stat about the, the halftime lead, over, which ESPN, by the way, blatantly ripped off and got wrong. The uh, Us being, since 2004, 131-0 in games where we lead by more than 10 at the half. ESPN totally ripped it off and messed it up because they were like, when leading by 10 or more, I'm like, no, 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 it's more than 10. And I know you just stole that from me, so fuck you. But like, I tweeted that stat out at halftime, and I mean, you would have thought I set the world on fire. Like People are like, oh, my God, you can't. Like, the, ain't no curses. Uh, you know, they, they said it in Friday Night Lights. They said it exactly right. So we're not cursing anything when I say this. It's been a perfect week for L sports so far. Cards beat Kentucky. Jeff Walls, six straight. We, should, we have to give a shout-out to Jeff Walls and the women's basketball team. They knock off Kentucky on Sunday for the sixth straight win over UK. Men's basketball gets their win on Wednesday. Uh, the, the Cards beat Bellarmine as well. We've got volleyball tonight, potentially volleyball on Saturday. Bowl game on Saturday, FAMU on Saturday. Let's have a perfect week. Let's get this done. It would be a fantastic, fantastic way to end what has been a not great 2022 for Cardinal Athletics. Uh, let's get going. I, I'm excited about it. Do you have, um, if you don't have a Dan in the Dumps, I can give you a quick mic in the mud. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Give, give us the mic in the mud. All right, so you have, you have two daughters. Uh, Lila is a little bit older than Virginia. Mallory's a little bit younger than Virginia. They're basically the same age. Virginia uh, turned three in September, but she's got her first crush. And oh boy! I, I'm I'm trying to figure, and it's the weirdest thing in the world. So she became around Halloween time. She became obsessed, and I don't use that word lightly. With the Nightmare Before Christmas, like she is, it's all she talks about. It's all she wants to watch. She demanded to be to wear her skeleton pajamas so she could be Jack Skellington for Halloween. And Jack Skellington, she's obsessed with him. She she has like a full on crush on him, and she she calls him still calls him Jack Skeleton. But she demands that I play Jack and she Sally ninety five percent of every day. Like I get home from radio, she sprints to the door, doesn't say Daddy, doesn't say Dad, just says Jack. Jack's home. Makes everybody else call me Jack. Um, and the other day, Mary walks in on her. She's lying in her bed. She has this Jack and Sally, who are the two main characters from the movie. She has this Jack and Sally ornament that she hangs on her little Christmas tree. And she's holding the ornament, and she's kind of, like, caressing it in bed. And, like, it's on her side. And Mary's like, Virginia, what are you doing? And she gets, like, super, super embarrassed and super nervous. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this. She's three years old. It's very strange. Like, she's very into the fact that at the end of the movie – they hug and they kiss and like, like it's 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 a very like kind of like young adult thing where she's like she's not just into it because it's jack and it's sally and they sing songs and it's fun like she talks about like the song that they sing at the end and she wants me to sing it with her and you know she's like and they hug and they kiss and i'm like i just i'm not ready for this oh. and it's already started and i know now that it started it never ends this is this is the rest of my life now i know god like uh, how are we gonna handle this we're gonna have just like I mean, our text change is going to be full of like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what my daughter did like 10 years from now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't like it. I know. Like Lila comes home and I'm like, how was your day? And like, she's like, oh, at recess, like all the boys chase me. I'm like, turn into like Will Smith from bad boys. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like um, but yeah, I, I mean. God, Virginia's so sweet. I think that's hilarious. But I'm I'm with you. I don't know how we're gonna handle this in the next, you know, 10, 15 years when they grow up. I I only had a brother, so I never had to deal with this type of stuff. But uh 
yeah, it's I I I have a feeling it's it's going to be harder on me than it needs to be. I mean, she knows all the words to the songs now. She has no idea what they mean. She's like, she's like, I sense there's something in the wind that says there's tragedies at hand. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Are we? Like, we have to listen to Nightmare Before Christmas on the morning drive to school every day. And like I said, like she's just she. Every day I get home and she's like, I am, I'm Sally. You're Jack. And I'm like, here we go. Like this is, and I've got to be Jack all night. It's, this is my life now, and I don't, I, I don't care for it. But I love her. She's fantastic. She's still the funniest kid I've ever met. But this, this too will will pass, and eventually she will have a crush on someone who's not a claymation skeleton. And I will, uh, I'll look forward to that day. That's awesome. Um, and do we? We did predictions for the football game. Is FAMU fucked? Are we going to win this game? Yeah, I think we win by 15 at least. They're so fucked. It's over. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee to make – look, people say I've been too negative on Kenny Payne. I've been too hard on the, on the program. I'm the only person here locally with the stones to guarantee a victory over Florida A&M, and I did it before we beat Western Kentucky. We're not losing this game. It's still all eyes on December 17th. Cardmageddon, we're beating Cincinnati, we're beating FAMU, and then we're celebrating with a volleyball national title that Saturday night. It's going to be a fun time gonna be a fun weekend maybe if all three of those things happen we'll give you an emergency pod maybe yeah maybe yeah no we'll i'd love it so um yep keep it up cards let's do it all right subscribe to the podcast wherever you can it's the best way to to know when we got new episodes available also give us a, a rating leave us a review if you can until we talk to you guys next time beat cincinnati beat famu beat Pitt, beat whoever else on saturday night go cards let's go kenny go cards baby <laughs>